I'm Josh Cooperman, host and publisher of Convo by Design. This is the fourth installment of our special series called Legendary Conversations. These are conversations, interviews, keynotes, and intimate gatherings from the La Cienega Design Quarter's Legends event. The La Cienega Design Quarter is one of the most influential industry trade organizations in the U.S., and the annual Legends event is a beautiful example of how an organization supports the trade. For the past decade, LCDQ has been welcoming the design community and enthusiasts alike to get out of their cars and walk the district to see the amazing and wonderful creations erected in the showroom windows. In addition to that, there are panels, conversations, keynotes, and other events. This conversation was the second of two entitled Conversation with a Living Legend. Suzanne is an interior designer whose signature style, elegant civility, places a focus on, quote, fewer things but better things, end quote. Reinstein was raised in New Orleans. Her southern roots have had a significant influence on her style and her design, as well as her approach to people, which, as most, I think, will agree with me that the whole purpose of good design is not strictly something to be seen, but something to be experienced, shared, and enjoyed with family uh, friends, loved ones. This is an intimate conversation between Suzanne and traditional home editor-in-chief Jill Wagi. Enjoy. Thank you so much for turning out today. It's so great to have a full crowd here um, to celebrate this amazing lady. Obviously, as an editor, I love to hear people's stories and I love to ask questions. Um, but as I encouraged, ramble on, please, because really, we're just here to listen to you. And I'm just going to sit back and, and listen to you tell us all the great things about your work and your your perspective on design. And for you all, the, the loop of photos running in the background is um, a loop that Suzanne put together. Um, Right? So we're not trying to time it with anything, but it'll give you a great perspective um, just of, of her work and um, chimes in with a lot of, a lot of her commentary today. Um, so uh, we can, I think, just start right on in, unless you want to say anything first, if you would like to address your fans. I just want to say that was a French bonnet. Uh. Anybody who's ever been to New Orleans, that's how they used to dress babies. That's great. <laughs> and I actually put it on my own daughter when she was little a couple of times, but she has not done the same for hers. They're much more rebellious. Oh. I had a bonnet, but it wasn't French. <laughs> so just starting with your story, because I think it was all of us in the design business had our place, how, how we came here came differently. Um, there's no one path, and all paths are great. And um, I always love to know how people... Where did you start? Where did where was the beginning for you? And your your beginning is deeply rooted. Yes. Well, um, my grandmother lived down the street from me, and in between my grandmother and our house lived the Bremermans. And if anybody's here from the South, they know Jerry Bremerman. I feel one of the doyens of uh, Southern uh, design, and so it was pretty fantastic. My grandmother was a great gardener. My mother liked to arrange flowers, and all the women in post-war uh, United States pretty much stayed home, or a lot of people did. And they were really into their houses because, you know, rationing was going away, and um, gardens and things, and it was there was a real emphasis on the home. So I feel lucky having grown up then. 
My grandchildren are probably luckier growing up now uh, as far as their opportunities and things, but I, I treasure how I grew up. And I was, um, I was around a lot of adults because my parents were so young. My mother did one year of college, got married, had me, and all the other mothers did the same thing. We just added 20 years on to their, uh, our ages, and that's how we knew. It was a very different time. I was the oldest mother in kindergarten <laughs> by the time I had my daughter, but it was yeah. very different back yeah. then. Yeah. So I was always around, and I loved these gardens. I loved playing with things. Um, my mother planted bri a bridal wreath. I think... I don't want to say what its Latin name is because I'm sure I'll get it wrong. But bridal wreath, I used to make the dolls bouquets out of it. I had the dolls houses. I was very, like, since I was an only child for 14 years, I very much, you know, was into my own uh, playtimes and heads. I was a mad reader as soon as I could read. Um, my climbing tree was an osmanthus, which if you know the scent of a... Uh, that kind of tea olive, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. So I don't know, I guess it was I was in a fantasy, I loved reading, and still, even as an adult, mm -hmm. in my reading group, I was the one that knew how everything looked like, whether it was Proust, or whether it was, you know, something from the 50s. I, <laughs> I liked um, expounding on, you know, what the houses looked like, what the... Um, what the what everything looked like and the feel of it, and I think because I was around so many adults, I was quiet and I took it all in and I loved it. Um, and then I had a mother who was um, into the whole thing too. And um, even when my brother was born, when I was fourteen, she would it was an, her idea of a family outing was not to go to a something like Disneyland, you know. Where, <laughs> That she wasn't was smart. that wasn't her idea. Uh, her idea was, oh, you're 14. Let's go to Vizcaya. Okay. <laughs> so when we were in Florida, I did go to Vizcaya. My brother says he sort of remembers that he was like around two or something, and we went to uh, Fairchild Gardens. I remember those. And um, then I, one of my earliest memories is. It, taking a walk in the woods looking for variegated Eliagnus. I don't even know what it looks like now, but, uh, you know, it was like a, this euphonious thing. So, um, and um, they had a garden and sprayed heavily with all the new wonderful pesticides that came out of World War II, including, including um, uh, jeeps that would go spraying DDT at night. So... Um, I'm sure that definitely affected everything. So I've been an organic gardener uh, since, for, well, since 1998. Um, and I'm so glad, you know, so sometimes you have to be a little more patient. Uh, in fact, all of my prayers include patience for myself. <laughs> That's how I ended up with the broken feet. That's how I <laughs> had these falls and things. It's like, I get in a hurry and I want to do something, whether it's, um, you know, making something. Anyway, I, I guess I'm rambling on, but I hope it's making sense. No, no. So in, for me, going outside, picking things for your house, 
having people over, making the house wonderful for yourself and your family, having a place to play cards and all of those things is just one big, it's one big way of being. And I'd have to, to put reading books and things in there too. It's just a, a nice way to live. And I like to tell people, and I firmly believe it, that um, if your house is the way you want it, if it's nice for you, then you'll feel so comfortable and all your friends will feel at home. And I, um, you know, I have lots of young friends. I feel very blessed in that way. Plenty of old ones, too. Uh, <laughs> but lots of uh, young friends. And they do things in a different way. And I celebrate that. I really do. As long as they have a little bit of comfort in their lives. And um, because I do feel that some of decorating today is about making this splash the moment you come in, whereas I prefer rooms that you kind of notice slowly and you just feel good in them, but then you noticed a detail or that maybe doesn't jump out but is just a fine way to finish a hymn or it's a nice little something on the edge of a, of a curtain. I'm not quite like Mrs. Mellon, who said, nothing must be noticed. Oh. <laughs> That's why she hung up her Van Gogh, or Van Gogh, uh, <laughs> with, with no frame on it. You know, like just leaning on her mantelpiece. But I'm not chic enough to do that. <laughs> or rich enough, I guess. But anyway, I, I admire a lot of the way that her houses go, and I... Um, felt you know very lucky to be able to go see um, her incredible um, her, this uh, the her incredible uh, library that she made and one of the things I love so here's this beautifully this beautiful architecture it's a uh, whitewashed uh, stone which I happen to love and um, and then the inside is very light and all these books. And so what are the bookends? They're all bricks that are perfectly covered in chartreuse felt. And, they, <laughs> and that's what holds all the books up. And I thought, perfect. I loved that. Um, so I guess I'm always looking and always reading. And um, I like many different kinds of styles. Um, well, that was for a house in Bel Air that we did for um, our clients, and they had grown children, and it had to be a place that welcomed everybody. And um, that was the, the pool room, or the billiards room. And we made a, a wonderful office for the husband, but he gave me the greatest compliment. He said, I just like to sit in the living room, stretched out, looking at the garden, and making my telephone calls. So I thought, well, that's good. I want you to feel comfortable in every room. Um, am I rambling off too much? <laughs> no, no. You want to 
I, I'm going to go back and ask you one question, though, because I think a yes. lot of times we all get here in, like I said, in different ways. Yes. And you're, even though you had this incredible background and all of this that you absorbed from an early age, you didn't set out no. to be a designer. I didn't. But what the, the, the path, the, the places you were before you became a designer really helped inform your work, yes. which I well, think is important for all of us right. well, to know what we bring with us. Yeah. I think there's nothing you can't do that you can't do well and that prepares you for whatever is coming next you know mm -hmm. i've always cast a wide net and encouraged my own daughter to do that but i um i was an english literature major and i am still a big proponent of the liberal arts mm -hmm. and i'm not an elitist just wanted you to know that <laughs> i think everybody should be able to study liberal arts and uh, whatever, but um, I was an English literature major, and then I um, worked for the writer, uh, Hodding Carter, Big Hodding Carter, who had won the Pulitzer Prize, and I helped him and his wife, Betty, uh, research and uh, assist them in writing the books that they were writing. And then I went to Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. because I wanted to get more into journalism, and this is kind of sad, but it's kind of funny. There was a comic strip character named Brenda Starr, and she was a journalist. And I think that's why I got interested in it in the beginning. <laughs> Naturally, it, it went on from there. So uh, I went to Washington, D.C., and I got very lucky and uh, worked for a man named Eric Severide. Mm. I mean, if you're... Wow not really super young here, you may know who he is. Uh, and he did a commentary on the Walter Cronkite show. And it was during a time that was a very exciting uh, in Washington. It was uh, the moratorium, the Cambodian incursion. It was Watergate. It was all of that. And I was there for four packed years. Then I went on to run a... Um, a company that was a little company that made uh, documentaries and things like that. I met my husband, my soon-to-be husband, and he said, "Oh, we have to go. We have to go back to California." And I came kicking and screaming. Honestly, my friends there were like I had died. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody reads books. Well, that is so untrue. I think we're the number one. Uh, one, or at least one of the top markets for books. Uh, but they had all kinds of things to say about California, especially because it was Southern California. Ooh. Not, mm. He didn't have the good taste to be from San Francisco, Fred. <laughs> That's actually what one of my friends said uh, to me. <laughs> anyway, I came out, and it took me a couple of years, but I loved it. I... Um, I uh, when I was pregnant with our daughter, I used to work one day a week at the Huntington with these amazing ladies. On Monday, they volunteered there, and they knew more than I had ever known. I didn't. I knew about hybrid tea roses that you had to spray like mad and that poisoned everything, <laughs> but I didn't know about um, the, that that there was this whole group of roses called shrub roses and old-fashioned roses, which now I have lots of. But um, So I just learned so much from these women. 
uh, it was really fantastic. And I only stopped when I couldn't get up when I went down to weed. So, <laughs> and Kate was born thereafter. But, um, and I love decorating our house. We used to take a, a grown-up trip, the two of us, to Europe every, every winter. And go to museums and drink wine at lunch and do all those crazy things. <laughs> um, and um, when I came back, I, I just started bringing things for the house. And I was influenced, of course, by the house where the houses that I knew growing up. Then I started, we started getting to know a lot of people in England and I was brought to a lot of those houses. Then we started going out to see like a park and some of those great houses from which I think you can learn so much. This is one of my things, why I'm always happy to raise money for education, whether it's for NYSID or the Decorators Club or whatever it is, because I think it's so important to uh, see things that maybe don't fit in what you're thinking uh, about, what your style is. But I think it's, it's, uh, it's about curiosity, and I really celebrate people who are curious, who do follow things. Like, I remember thinking about Vizcaya and thinking, oh, that place is just way too grand to ever be relevant relevant, I hope I didn't use that word, but um, to the way that I live. And, um, but there is, there's always something and it's come back to me. So even, um, and then it was harder for me to get into French because it was so sort of grand. But I remember one day having a tour with uh, Jillian, whose name I can't remember, who put all that wonderful French furniture together for um, J. Paul Getty. Wilson, yes, Jillian Wilson. What an extraordinary person she was. And when she was at the V&A, talk about curiosity. She got a little screwdriver and she started taking all the ormolu off and realizing, studying it and realizing that it was done by these extraordinary um, sculptors and things. So again, you know, I thought, oh, that's just too much for me, but it, it's had, held me in good stead. And um, then after our daughter went to, um, off to NYU, uh, my husband had been overseas, especially in uh, Asia a lot when he was with NBC News, and he wanted to go back. So we went to, we went to Hanoi, we went to, uh, we went to Burma, we went to Sri Lanka, places that maybe you wouldn't want to go to right now, but it we got in that little time place that we could get there. And uh, we went to India, we went to Bhutan. And um, I know you. one of the things you wanted to ask is there was a great book on color. My inspiration mm -hmm. comes from seeing things. Mm -hmm. uh, in Patagonia, I've, we, we stayed at an eco-lodge near the Perito Moreno Glacier, and that was just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. I was completely um, bowled over by all those shades of color, and then the uh, the way that the water is that color because of the minerals in it. And I mean, I've just never seen, I, I, I couldn't take any pictures, and I conned one of my really good friends into taking all the pictures. I just wanted to look. That's where my inspiration comes from. Are seeing a lot of stone together in a 
someplace in London or just anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. So at what point, you know, sometimes I think we always, we know, we know we want to do and be in this business from the very beginning. You yep. just always, you can barely remember a time when you didn't want to do this. Yes. And some folks, it's an aha moment. Uh -huh. At what point did you, did you take all this travel and inspiration and begin to turn it into, into your business? And was it an aha or was it just a natural progression of things? I honestly thought I was going to have something in my second career was going to be in um, gardens. Mm. And uh, I, but I just, I sort of like, I, took, I, I thought of having a garden store. And um, instead, I ended up having a store not really unlike the one my mother was a partner in in New Orleans, where they, they sold antiques and they sold some other things. And you could go there and they would, you know, reupholster things. And, um, and I thought, well, okay, that's better. And um, so that's how I opened Hollyhock. And um, I waited till my daughter was eight. So I thought, oh, that's fine. And, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I, I, I loved it. And the next year I started decorating. And a lot of people liked our house and wanted to know where I got things. So I went over and got those things and had them. And I... When I was enthusiastic about something, then I was able to talk to people about it. And um, I've always loved painted furniture of all kinds. So I always had some painted furniture there, so that was a little hard for some people. But I still love that. And, um, but I've always loved a mixture. I love, I love directoire um, French. I love Louis Saz. I love anything that's sort of neoclassical. And, and also the architecture. I mean, I love all those little country churches in the South that are barely put together with um, board and batten and I don't know what, but they're sort of Greek revival. You know, I, I just, I guess I love neoclassical in almost any form, grand or um, cozy. <laughs> um, and, so, and then that's you're fine. And, that, and then weaving all those things, like one of the things I think is so that I admire and just respect so much in your work. And you alluded to it earlier in the beginning that um, everything seems so comfortable with itself and not trying to make a big splash. You know, a lot of we talk about you can have a focal point or you can have a splash. Yeah. And why what I love as an editor going through your work is exactly what you said that you I can follow a path and there's everywhere I look there is something fascinating. But nothing is shouting, nothing's trying to take the the, the all the attention away. Everything plays its game at the same level. And I always want to know what's in your mind, how do you how do you make those choices? What's that conversation with your own aesthetic in your head to pull something together that is so balanced that way? When we're often tempted to just to to let something be the big splash. Yeah. Well, um, what I try to do is because I I I do I work for families. That is who I work for. That's who is drawn to my work, and um, rather than. Um, sort of super cool bachelors and things like that. Um, so what can I say? You go with what you're good at. <laughs> but um, I try to, my, my clients generally have a point of view, 
and they start with something, and then I want to express what they're about, but put it through my years of ex experience and my travel and my filter. So I think uh, like that rug um, uh, is on this 1950s house in Bel Air, and it was an Af from an Afghani palace, and it was. Uh, bought by one of my dear, dear friends, Hutton Wilkinson, for this house, and they thought they had to get rid of it. But they have this very fine collection of Latin American art. But that's a Japanese tansu. It's a 17th century oak English chair, and the uh, gouache is by Kundo Bermudez, who was a uh, 1950s uh, well-known Cuban artist. So that had so much color. I said, let's keep the rug, and then in between we'll go another way. But um, And then that's our house, which is like super traditional uh, colonial revival, the, the exact kind of house my husband grew up in, and he walked up the front. He said, I think this is the house. I said, <laughs> I said is this because it like looks like a California version of the house you grew up with? And he said, no, that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> anyway, it was a great house for us as a family because um, being traditional, it c took a lot of nicks. And also, my late husband was the kind of person who, if he knew you and he actually saw you in the street on Larchmont, he would say, well, what are you doing for dinner? Come on over. So it had to be expansive and whatever, and it worked really well. I put these in because they're New Orleans um, shotgun houses, and I don't know, they, and then that's Longview from that wonderful house in uh, New Orleans that belonged to Mrs. Stern, and the garden was done by Ellen Biddle Shipman, one of my heroines. Um, I hope you know about her, and if you don't, Judith Tankard has written a wonderful book about her. Get on Amazon.com. Or at any bookstore. I don't know where one is around here. But, <laughs> but we have the oldest continuous bookstore in, uh, in Los Angeles in Hancock Park called Chevaliers. They'll order it for you, I'm sure. Um, I, we've just used things, too. Like those two uh, painted pieces of wallpaper came from the house my husband grew up in in New York City. And when his mother died... We divided everything and put it on those panels. So I don't know. I just kind of took the things I had and um, and just kind of brought them together. That has that room has a lot of perching places, so it's not it's not a room to scrunch down in and pretend to read the paper and take a nap. But <laughs> it's uh, it's it's more where we. We have a lot of, or we had a lot of um, buffets, and so there are lots of places for people to sit and going up the stairs. And oh, that's that's one of the other things about um, entertaining. Mm -hmm. So, or having people over—that sounds less daunting than entertaining, <laughs> right? Um, so we always just the more the merrier. And to me, it's easier to have a big buffet for a lot of people and serve really good southern food and they can go and take it everywhere. They just have to be willing to eat on their knees. And um, 
every time I go to France to the Pousse or something, I get more of those napkins that are really like tablecloths, you know, cover everything. And then everything I make, you can eat with a fork. So I've had, definitely had 65 people for like New Orleans brunches and things like that. But just send them all over. So aside from, we've all gotten the great tip about the extra large tablecloth napkins. Yeah. When people come to your home, what are, there, what are the other, signa- what would they say some of the signature things are that you do that they know they can always expect when they come to your home? Uh, well, my trick, too, for uh, entertaining at night is to have as many candles as you can afford <laughs> because it covers a multitude of sins. Mm. And it provides a nice sparkle, and I put them in... Um, these lanterns that I painted, I put them in the garden, I put them going up the stairs. It's just, just a nice atmosphere. And then um, I try to get uh, flowers and things from my garden. Right now, but then, like right now, because of the rain, I have so many roses, but it's like I don't want to cut them. <laughs> I want to see them. <laughs> but I try to have enough things from, that I can take from my garden greenery and things like that. And if not, I have, I'm best friends with Michelle who has this little tiny florist and she'll send over things that look like they could have come from the garden. So they're not super fancy. Uh, and she'll always send me lots of clematis and, you know, things that if I were a little better, I could grow in my garden and cut. <laughs> I think you probably could. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I've been serving Southern food forever, and something that um, I love all the different kinds of food you find here. I mean, it's one of the most exciting places for food. So I don't try to serve those things. Excuse me. Um, and I don't. I love to go to to the restaurants that are sort of stack and fume and. You know, do all that stuff. What is that stuff? Foam. Foam. Yes. I, you know, it's fun to do, but I just don't do it at home. Mm-hmm. Right. So. What's your, um, what about China? China pattern. Do you have a favorite heart center pattern, or do you have multiple? I have multiple. <laughs> I thought so. So, uh, I have multiple. I, um, I have things from, you know, like five that were from somebody's grandmother, that five, or there are only five that don't have chips all over. And um, so I don't know, but that's how I grew up because my grandmother was down the street and Jerry was next door, so if you had a lot of people, you borrowed their, their wedding china. <laughs> <laughs> and silver and stuff. And just, I just stack it up and... Have a good time. Mix it and baby. match it. And yes. Yeah. Always. Oh, in all different ages. Yeah. So I've always had younger friends and I've always had much older friends. But now that I'm getting older, my older friends are going. <laughs> <laughs> but still, one of my most favorite friends is 93. She's still out. Yeah. And um, she looks beautiful when she goes out. She still goes to the opera. I see her there. And, um, you know, it's great. I love that. And I love that about my neighborhood, too, because there's so many different ages going on. Yeah. So that's a a way, I think, to have a good party is mix it up. Oh, and mix up. Mix up the corporate types with the arty types. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. 
way more fun on that end of the table, yeah. for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, I know you'd mentioned specifically what your English friends have been and, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the influences of just a whole other culture, a whole other way of looking at living. And we all know that English homes just feel so comfortable. How have you put that through your Suzanne filter? And what are the, the, the things you've learned that you've applied? Well, I will. So um, uh, there, I'm sure some of you will remember Gap Durenberger, who had this fantastic... Um, lifestyle in San Juan Capistrano. He had just the most charming cottages and gardens and he had a shop and he would go over and buy all of these things. And then he started kind of doing a series like he had attended at the Victorian Albert and he got these great uh, lecturers to come over and talk about the architecture of Bath. But it wasn't just that, it was how the people lived there and especially uh, a woman who became a great friend of mine who was outrageous, Anne Gore. She would read from the or, original document somebody's, somebody's letter to their dear mama if they were staying someplace and things that went on and really things went on. Uh, <laughs> especially in places like Bath where you would go to take the waters and whatever. Um, but anyway, we, we got to be good friends with Anne Gore and her husband, Alan. He was uh, quite a fine architect who had worked a lot with John Fowler. And so through that, I got to see regular, ordinary, but very knowledgeable people's houses. And of course, they're, they were very uh, snobby about certain things, like not having things too clean. <laughs> it was somehow considered a little... Mm, middle class or something, which I was, so that was fine with me. <laughs> to be to be to be clean, you know. I I like clean, but um, you know, and things had to be a little shabby. But there were just gorgeous things there, and I did learn about comfort and appreciating smaller things, and not everything having to be perfect. So through them, I saw so many houses and heard so many things and he just kept bringing these people over and it was it was a thrill so in my shop I had before the one on La Cienega it was big enough for me to do my own my own programming and I did it was really fun I loved that maybe I should have been a I don't know, a lecturer entrepreneur or something. But I, I love that. And having Thomas Waltz talk about his gardens and Gil um, Schaefer came and talked about his whole idea of houses, and which I love. And he's all about comfort and really living in houses too, which I would say is what, what I am mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, we always talk every, about everyone wants to know the story you know, of a house and every house has a story and I always like to ask people when I have this opportunity is to say what do you do if you have a client that doesn't have a very interesting story don't take them <laughs> See, I thought I thought maybe you'd slip into some about learning from other platforms, and that that's when you have to slip into like you know fiction mode or something from from storytelling and narratives into fiction. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, this house is is amazing. I it's different from ones I've looked on worked on before, but everything in it is um, is 
all, all of the art is really fine. And it comes from the clients. She has her doctorate in Latin American uh, culture. And so has, has um, collected this art that maybe isn't um, you know, the most, most obvious, but, but so interesting. And I love knowing about that. And I loved bringing that out and making the story about them and their collections. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that was really good. Are other people, you know, most people that you might know and who would come to me or come to other people do have a story, but maybe you need to just pull it out a little mm -hmm. bit. And, oh, like even doing things like um, I call, I have these clients in San Francisco, I call my, my cultured nomads. They are forever trekking off to places. They also have beautiful antiques that they had collected from Gaylord Dem Dellingham and Robert Domergue when he had, when they both had those great places there. But then they also have, you know, all of these things that they get on their treks. And she grew up in um, Latin America and has a collection of pre-Columbian um, sculptures. And, but they were in about five different rooms. So it's just what you do when you're a designer. You see things together. So we found a wonderful old cupboard and, um, and put them all together. And you know, they, they tell a story now, whereas before they were more scattered around. And, um, and then they, they have some very fine um, Buddhas and uh, art from Asia, too. So I don't know. They've been on six weeks in Africa. I have no idea what they'll be bringing back. But it'll be something <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So then you just get, you get to help round that out yes. then and bring and poke into other areas they've been to help round out the collection and, right. and enhance the experiences. Yes. And then people, you do, when you work with people, you do find their interest. And then... Maybe you all can go see artists or, you know, I'm constantly going to um, exhibitions and things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's fun. So doing the kind of traditional classic you know, work that you, that you do in, in Los Angeles, which, of course, I love. There's a little word in the magazine called traditional that we sort of like that about it. Yeah. Um, that, like, what, what encourages you about what is going on in the design business today? when you see some see the work of other designers or you see new collections come out, are there those moments that you think, you know, yes, this is this is good. There's a there's a future here, people are gonna get it. They're gonna keep going with classic. Yeah, well, you know, but they mix it up in different ways. It's like uh, my own daughter has a lot of antiques, but she also has like a lot of color. Mm -hmm. And um I I, lo I love being in her house, you know? Um, and then I, uh, Georgia Tappert Howe, who is a designer some of you might know here. And um, she has a lot of antiques, but a lot of contemporary art and uh, a, a dining room that's lacquered Kelly green. There's nothing millennial about it. You know, it's like good old 1950s Kelly green, but it looks great. And um, then she has a mixture of furniture in it. So, and I, I, I love this. This is an apartment in New York I did for um, clients. And um, a really good architect, you know, made it like this. It's the Upper East Side, but they really wanted to be downtown. So it, he made it into like a loft and all kind of floats. And it's kind of like living in a cloud. Whereas that is a super traditional house 
that's in Marin, believe it or not. And it's so beautiful, and it looks down to the water. And um, so you just never know mm -hmm. where you're going to be, yeah. who's going to be interested in what. That picture just shows about... That is an allegory of sound, and this is their, that was their music room. I saw that... Uh, I saw that and I fell in love with it, but I didn't have a client. I saw it in Orange County at Tom Stansbury's. And then four years later, when I was doing this project, I was in Palm Beach and there it was. I thought, okay, this is it. <laughs> so it ended up in this great spot. But I can't imagine that the card catalog of your brain is not completely full of all of these references that I, I can't remember the name of my kid's English teacher and oh. you can name all of these references from all around the world. Oh, it's yeah, I can't remember the things I'm supposed to remember. Right. <laughs> but uh, I do remember, oh, wait, remember those two gold, um, small, perfect uh, chandeliers we saw two years ago in XYZ? And they go, yeah. I said, I think they're still there, and this is the table we can use them over. <laughs> but I like that. And I also, um, people who work with me know that I love going off and discovering things, like in different warehouses or, you know, wacky little quirky collector's uh, places, and I love yeah. that. Yeah. You so just mentioned people that work for you. You know, I think about one of the things that's so great in this business um, is mentoring. You know, yes. And, and there are people who are mentors and people who are not. I've come to understand that. There's hardwiring in some people. But um, and you've mentioned several people who were influential in opening up doors and opportunities and, and experiences to you. Um, how have you mentored? You know, what are, who are people that, that you have mentored and, and um, where do you see that taking flight now? Right. Well, one um, just a situation that's in now since I closed Hollyhock and moved my studio to Hollywood and we're in a um, wonderful bungalow courtyard. And uh, the designers who used to be on staff for me are now working freelance. They all are going off and doing their own things Together, we're working on several projects, but, you know, off they go. And it's, it's exciting to me to see that because I have other fish to fry. <laughs> Metaphor. <laughs> anyway. Um, so are there, are there experiences that in turn that you, as their, as their leader, as their boss lady, mm -hmm. put in front of them to make sure that they were equipped for the rest yes. of their journey? Yes. I get them. First of all, anybody who works for me can go to any lecture given by the ICAA or any other group that is giving a lecture out here um, on the decorative arts, on architecture, or anything. And I'm happy to send them to that because um, you never know what is going to spark you. Also, I have a great library there. People are encouraged to take books home. And um, I speak. I mean, naturally, I have to talk about XYZ or why I like painted furniture or why it can't be this kind of painted furniture and why I like this kind of painted, you know, whatever. You know, you talk about what it is that you like. And um, so they hear plenty from me. <laughs> 
Well, it's, I think it's also wonderful. And I take this back to a writer's background. If you're fascinated with language yeah. and you're articulate about words and expressing thoughts and feelings in words, I think you become even more expressive as a designer and to be able to articulate that to someone and to share that knowledge is, is a big part of being, you know, being a, being a legend. Um, so is there anything I would say in this, I don't mean to make it sound like it's a skeptical or down, down thing, but I think, is there anything about the industry and about the design business right now that, that, that gives you pause that you would think everyone in this room should think about this for a bit as we're going forward in design? Mm. That's a stumper, but I at least, I, you know. I, yeah, well, you know, I, I just honestly have realized that so many people want different things. Mm. Some people really do want a background. And, um, and let them have it. I know, I think it's great, you know. Mm -hmm. um, for my own self, when I see those zillion-dollar apartments are kind of interchangeable except for the trophy art on the wall. I just, well, I don't live there, so that's okay. I can't, I can't comment, you know? <laughs> but I, I don't know, for me, I want a house to be more personal. And I want a house to say a little bit uh, about the person or the family that lives there. And uh, to make sure that there's well, I guess I like to lounge a lot. In this new house, I'm doing for myself. I was telling my daughter while I had, oh, yeah, and so this is going to be here, and then I'm this great, you know, sort of sofa here with 8,000 pillows on it, and then this, this uh, chaise longue over here. And she said, is there going to be any place where you actually sit upright? <laughs> I was saying, oh, went the hammock over here. But, <laughs> um, not everybody needs to have that kind of place, but I do. There's something about reading lying down, or not, yeah. I like. But I love in your be. in your book where you talked about you described the, the the sofas in different parts of the house. That well, and this is the one where the sofa is squishy. Yeah, and I love that you use the word squishy. Yeah, we all need the we all need the squishy yeah, sofas. Exactly. Anyway, awesome. Exactly. Well, I did want to leave some time for anybody to ask any questions of Suzanne that um, we maybe didn't cover here today. Yeah. I'll be the hostess with the microphonist. Thank you. Suzanne, first of all, I'm a huge fan of yours, even before Patrick made the paper fans. Oh. And I feel really given to by what you gave us today. Uh, my name is also Jillian. I've been an interior designer for most of my career, and about a dozen years ago, I studied the neuroscience of color and how, we how and why we respond to color. So my question for you is, at what point in your process do you consider color? Uh, it is an organic process. So I'm think, uh, I, I do things the old-fashioned way about a, a room. First, I think of the architecture, and um, if I'm allowed to. And then, uh, or, or how I might give the room a sense of architecture without actually tearing things out, you know, whether it's with painting or um, whatever it is. And, um, and then I do a floor plan, but I don't necessarily stick to it. So then I'm thinking about, since I find, I like to go in all these warehouses and places, then I'm bringing out the various pieces that might fit into this. 
And um, the color is, is integral to it. It's not like, a, I mean, I have an idea of it. It's not like I have to go find the rug then to get the color or something. And I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's not very helpful what I'm saying, but it's no, like, I think of it all together. Oh, thank you. You're loud. I know you. You're loud. Belt it. We've never met, Suzanne. I'm Joe Helley. <laughs> I had the pleasure of driving you home last night. Um, first of all, I was going to say you forgot two of your key things when you have people over. She always has the best cocktails. Yes. Uh, you can order anything you want. Uh, yeah. Because I have. And you always have the piano uh, playing. That's uh, true. So play the piano in the entry. Candles. Great cocktails, simple food, but delicious, like a jambalaya or something like that. And um, Jeff Amar playing on the piano. And we have this great piano. It's a 1927 Chickering, which is this very warm. Did you? Yeah. Oh, how fantastic. Anyway, it came from the house where my husband grew up. And Jeff Amar, uh, he plays sometimes at the Polo Lounge. But he, he just can do anything. And I know he's been playing for us for 25 years or so. So, yes. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, I was going to say, I, your house is basically a master class. Just walking through your beautiful home is a master class for anyone on details. I, every time I'm there, I just stare at little things. But, um, and none of it should ever be changed. But I've always wanted to know, if you, were, if you had a craving to redo any room in your house, which would be the first one to do? Did you guys hear all that? Don't touch Can you hear? Okay, good. Um, oh, maybe the dining room. I mean, I love it, but it's, yeah. It, it, the dining room is, uh, I paint, I, I, well, I got it, I have, we have a beautiful uh, Russian chandelier, which we got when we came back from Russia. Uh, way a long time ago for something called the Goodwill Games, which was all sports, which I just wanted to see houses. But uh, <laughs> It's a sport. <laughs> I mean, this was, this was in the 80s, you know, so the, Russia wasn't as uh, accommodating in its accommodations as it is now. But I did get out, to, but we fell in love with the Baltic chandeliers. So there's that. And then I wanted to have that kind of shimmery feel in there so I uh, painted the walls in stripes, but with glazing. So there's kind of a transparency. And then one of my other passions is um, Sheffield silver. I love that more than, more than sterling. And I love the way when the, um, the copper starts bleeding through, it's just so soft and beautiful. No, I can't change that room. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, it's Saturday night. We uh, Sunday Saturday night Sunday night. I can't remember. We ate in there with my neighbors. It's Saturday night, and I called Postmates. So we had I set up the Postmates on my uh, antique platters in the kitchen. We all did it. We came and we sat down. You know, some people had come from a hike. It was just one of those impromptu things. And I had all the candles blazing. <laughs> <laughs> but we were, you know, I don't know. It was just really nice. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. never mind having your friends over, especially with Postmates, caviar, and all the other 
places that deliver. Anybody in the back? Or you could whisper it in I'm Joe's ear well. and you could just shout out. Um, congratulations. And um, I guess my question is, as you are a living design legend, um, who are the working designers today who inspire you, if any? <laughs> oh, so many. Okay, good. Well, um, actually, my friend Georgia, who's young, she does inspire me because she does have a lot of, she uses a mixture, and, and I like seeing that, you know, that brings me or makes me think in that direction. Um, Bunny, of course, her, her houses are the most comfortable. Um, I was really sad when she sold La Colina, <laughs> but that's okay. I still like Connecticut. <laughs> and her houses, um, Stephen Sills, I think, is a master. His things enchant me, and uh, I've been to his house in Bedford, and it is is—it's sort of otherworldly, not in the sense of not touching. It's just, it's as amazing, I think, I think he is. Um, so talented. I love the exuberance of Keith Langham. Um, you know, I love kind of the scholarliness of Thomas Jane in, you know, how he puts things. I mean, there are just so many, honestly. Uh, I have that small C Catholic taste in people and in design. I really do. <laughs> so when you get together with these friends, what do you all talk about? Do you talk about design when you're together with these? When you, when you and Bunny are hanging out at her place or yours, we do talk, you talk shop or do you just talk about other stuff? We talk about like what our husband's going to cook for dinner. Um, Excellent. We talk about gardens a lot. And we both like our, like arranging flowers, and we both like, I mean, I love putzing around the house and just, you know, doing stuff when I have the chance. Um, and we, we do, we talk a lot about architecture. <laughs> so we both love to travel, and we both love architecture and falling in love with, you know, fabulous places and uh, places of traveled, like... One of the places I love in this world, only I only spent two days there, was Noto in uh, Sicily. Has anybody ever been there? It was destroyed by earthquakes and then rebuilt in the 18th century in the most delicious Baroque style. It's just like, I don't know, sugar cakes or something. <laughs> it's so pretty. And the whole little town is that way, and the church is so gorgeous. Yeah, so where do we want to go? All that stuff. Food. Friends, yeah. all kinds of things. You guys should sell tickets to that dinner. <laughs> you could raise a lot of money for design education yeah. if you did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, yeah. Tell us about your relationship with the New York School of Interior Design. I will tell you about that. So I was last year given the Albert Hadley Lifetime Achievement Award by the New York School of Interior Design. And I was completely humbled and very honored to follow in the footsteps of some of the people whose um, work and careers I've admired very much, like um, Ellie Coleman and Bunny, so many people. Um, whose work I really admire, Jamie Drake. You know, work that's not necessarily like mine, but 
love what they do and their passion and the attention they pay to, to what they're doing. Um, and I, we raised a lot of money for scholarship and I think that's so important uh, to give people the chance to, uh, you know, to travel. Some of that goes for traveling, to have uh, speakers talk, to inspire people and to spark the curiosity that well, curiosity and generosity are the two things I care about the most, I suppose. Um, and um, the generosity con came from everybody who g gave the money there and, um, and all the people who worked so hard on that board to raise money, because whatever board you're on, that's what you're doing. <laughs> and uh, so that'd be something you really believe in, yeah. So it's great. They're doing a wonderful job, I think. Thank you so much. You're sharing. welcome. That was Jawagi and living legend Suzanne Reinstein from the La Cienega Design Quarter uh, Legends 2019 event. Thank you for listening to this episode of Convo by Design's Legendary Conversations. If not already a subscriber, please subscribe to the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can also check out videos from some of your favorite conversations, like this one, on our YouTube channel, as well as the Convo by Design Instagram feed. Search Convo by Design on Instagram, this time with an X. Thank you to Marmashegian, LCDQ president and longtime friend of the show, Patrick Dragonette. Special thanks to the amazing LCDQ showroom owners and managers. And of course, you, because without you listening, there is no Convo by Design. So until next week, keep creating. <laughs>